and welcome to another episode of How Do You Do? I'm Samantha Benacol-Minat. I'm Yael Haruti. And we are here, like every week, to talk about all things Jewy. We know that it's been a little bit of a chaotic time because there have been so many back-to-back holidays, but we are super excited to be back in action and um, keeping the party going this week, talking about the upcoming holiday of Simchat Torah. Yael, how's it going? Um, it's going good. It's going good. I've been getting uh, some free Wall Street Journal. Yes, you've told me all about this. I feel like out of all of the papers to come for free, like I could have used a free Wall Street Journal subscription about a month ago when I was packing and I was like surreptitiously like going to grocery stores to take extra copies of like local newspapers to you know wrap things with. Like, the Wall Street Journal is very thick, and it would have been a big help to me. Just saying. <laughs> well, you should have told me. <laughs> I had, I, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that there was wealth to be shared. Yeah, I've but, been getting uh, it since the 8th. So the story behind this is I started getting the Wall Street Journal out of nowhere. Um, delivered to my house, and I called them, and they said there's a... Um, an account said on my address and I was kind of confused because it's not on my name and I'm definitely not paying for it so why would it be on my address so then I thought you know a few days I mean the person that is actually subscribed is going to figure out they're not getting the paper and someone's going to fix it and then like a week later I was still getting it couldn't figure it out called them anyways after like a few phone calls found out I'm getting my like not, it's not exactly my neighbors, but the people that live in the same number house, but one street down, are getting, um, they're, they're, they're the actual subscribers, subscribers? Yeah, that's yeah. how you say it, <laughs> to, um, to the paper. So then I finally called the Wall Street Journal again, and anyways, we found, like, they said they're fixing it. It hasn't, it, it wasn't fixed for another week, but... Um, I started delivering their paper to them, so. Have they tipped you for the service that you're providing? No, but I kind of feel like I should get a cut. Like, I should get some sort of salary from uh, the Wall Street Journal for being the delivery man. <laughs> yeah, no, or like, I don't know, people like tend to, you know, give gifts at like Christmas, New Year's to their um, newspaper delivery people. Like, you could be that people, <laughs> that person. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I can be that um, people. We <laughs> have people. Like I, I would support that entirely. Oh, thank or you. I'm like visualizing like the the musical newsies, and like you could get like a hat and like you know really make this into a thing that you do. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, I'm you hoping could also not to do that, which would be fine. Probably not. <laughs> Um, but I'm hoping that after the conversation yesterday, I finally got to a manager. It was it was hard. It was unexpectedly really hard to get a manager. Um, and I'm hoping. I wonder if your neighbors are getting anything of yours, or like, is this just? I'm not subscribed to anything. Oh, well, then you're good. I mean, I mean, it is kind of confusing. It's literally the same number house, one street down. No, I guess that. Yeah, and we have that like weird roundabout at the entrance to like all streets. So if you take the wrong turn, you end up on the same number right, house. You would like never even realize. Exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope that this was the last of your encounters with the Wall Street Journal until I end up, you know, moving again and again needing extra copies of a paper, and then uh, we're back in action. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> so, as we record, we're in the. Um, wait, 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 wait. You moved. 
Oh, I'm in. Yes, I, I am in the moving like situation once again. Always. I mean, I'm sure the audio can like is is kind of telling the story, but like we're not recording together. No, but I feel close to you. <laughs> so how's New York? Um, New York is good. New York is, you know, it's very chaotic. We are in between places right now living with my parents until we find our new, like, official New York home for Noam and the Doggies and I. So right now I am recording from my childhood bedroom on location, as one might say, um, because I've discovered that since Nala and Pebbles have left Cleveland, our house in Cleveland was so far set back from the road and now we're like in like a more typical suburb you know really close to the sidewalk and people just walk by all day it's very charming and very like hometowny um except my dogs feel the need to like aggressively greet all these people so when we were like okay we're recording I was like I guess I'll lock them in the bedroom with me because then they tend to think it's bedtime and they fall asleep when I bring them into the bedroom. So right now they are both sleeping and I am just like sitting huddled in the corner hoping that no outside noise comes and nobody stirs or wakes up. <laughs> so living our best lives here. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, no, so far it's been good. Uh, my parents have been wonderful, super welcoming. I think Noam and I are being good house guests. Still trying to figure out where to unpack everything and like now we're in this situation where we are four people with four different cars so we're also like playing musical cars every day but beyond that all good wow that sounds like a lot you know we we keep things interesting at all times (laughs) all right so that's my update but back to our topic for the day So as we record from my bedroom and your basement, um, we are in the middle of Chola Moed Sukkot, the in-between days of Sukkot, coming up to the next Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah, which is um, when we celebrate the end of the annual cycle of reading the Torah and then immediately starting it once again. Um, So I first wanted to just ask, Is this a holiday that is meaningful for you? Is it one that you have memories of? I feel like so much of the time when we talk about different holidays, it's with the assumption that we both have so much to say about them. But I wanted to hear, what's your Simchat Torah deal? So I think like in the recent years, I don't really have any, you know, specific memories. Um, But I do have like a lot of childhood memories um, from, from... So what did childhood Simchat Torah look like? Um, childhood Simchat Torah. <laughs> um, my mom would take me to temple for the rounds with the mm-hmm. for, with the Torah, um, and it was a huge celebration. It was always fun. Um, and then as I grew up, I would go with my friends um, to like different temples around the little suburb that we lived at, because it's kind of in, in Israel. Everyone's outside all the time um, during Simchat Torah and dancing in the street with the Torah, and it's a huge celebration. And it's fun. So those so are fun. pretty much my memories. I don't really have any any other ones. How about you? Yeah, no, very similar. We grew up going to synagogue and dancing with the Torah. Um, I also have like a very specific memory of one year when I was younger. Um, This wasn't something that our synagogue did every year, but 
they basically un like unrolled an entire Torah scroll, which normally like obviously wouldn't happen. You just unroll it to the you know sheet that you need to get to in order to do the reading. But they wanted the kids in particular to have this um, experience of literally being wrapped and hugged and encompassed by the Torah. So all the kids gathered in the middle of the, uh, the sanctuary of the synagogue and the adults like very carefully because there's, as you know, um, listeners, the there's a tradition in Judaism where you can't touch the Torah with your bare hands. Um, you're, you're supposed to touch it with something else. So people use what's called a yod, a pointer, so as to not come into direct contact with it and you can't drop it and it can't touch the floor. So somehow all these adults figured out like how to unroll the entire thing and it literally went like more than once around the room um, and we, they had us be like totally wrapped in it and see the, the words up close and the pages and I just have such a, a specific memory of that year um, that it, like I, I don't know if other kids took it like super seriously but I just like I remember the rabbi and like the education director talking about us being wrapped in the words and the values and I really like have a very clear memory of that experience in particular well that sounds beautiful it was yeah it was lovely and like um and in addition you know there's the dancing and I I think it's really special you know there's so many things that we can celebrate and to celebrate um the Torah itself and this end and beginning of the annual cycle which I know we'll talk more about in a minute I think it's a beautiful holiday and it's one that in the last few years similar to you I haven't necessarily done like as much with I feel like I'm usually oh my god I have to go deconstruct my sukkah and like I'm you know busy and running around um but it's definitely one that feels very nostalgic for me and hopefully in the soon to be maybe fingers crossed post-covid world could like become a more active thing for me again well that sounds amazing i hope so fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed for you sam samanti <laughs> so we we've talked in previous episodes i know you've talked about like your tanakh teacher your torah teacher as um education influence for you and we've like touched on kind of learning torah and stories as part of our Jewish upbringings and respective backgrounds. Um, are there Torah stories or lessons that are the most meaningful or our favorite ones for you? Yes. <laughs> okay, so so when I was born, I was given two names. Um, and that's, this is a tradition in our family that the first name um, is from the Bible and the second name is, uh, we're named after someone in the family. Beautiful. Okay, so my name is Yael Miriam. Mm -hmm. um, wait, aren't both of those biblical names? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm like, wait, I know this. <laughs> yes, but I mean, it just turned out like that. It's, um, okay. And funny enough, all of my brothers and sister, like, they all have two names, and they're all biblical. Both names. Okay, so well-intentioned tradition. I, I have a few follow-up questions, but we'll just go with it. <laughs> um, anyway, so my first name is Yael, and um, when I was told when I was younger, like, who am I named after, I kind of looked into who she was in the Bible. Mm -hmm. 
and she was extraordinary. Extraordinary. Like she's. She was a badass. Can we say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was definitely a badass. So she, I think she, this is my favorite story. Is the story about her killing uh, Sisra mm-hmm. um, while he was, you know, fighting uh, Dvora and uh, Barak. And this is from Shoftim, I think. Judges. Yep. Yeah, it's from that. It's from that book. Um, so I think I think that's my favorite one. Um, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, because there's there's the personal connection. Like none of my names are biblical, but I like I remember like you know the people who oh yeah like when their namesake or whatever it is popped up like of course there's a an affinity or like a special connection to it. So like, that that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> so how about you? What's uh what's your favorite story? I have so many, like I, um, you know, as, as our listeners, um, have heard, um, you know, I spent pretty much every Shabbat, every Saturday in synagogue growing up. So, you know, I got to listen to a lot of the stories really on repeat because we sit, we learn these like same or similar stories every year. Um, I loved like, classics um i think the story of the exodus like each year when we reread it either in the torah itself or during passover i feel like i learn something new but it also feels deeply familiar which is a nice um combination um recently i was doing a deep dive thanks to um, a work project because perks of being a professional jew (laughs) professional jew I mean, you know, into the daughters of Zalofachad. And for those who are unfamiliar with the story amongst our listeners, um, there was this man um, who was a member of um, one of the 12 tribes during the exodus from Egypt. And he only had daughters. He didn't have any sons. And when the rules were basically being made about like how land was being apportioned and how inheritance laws were going to work as part of the the giving of the Torah and this new set of laws that the people are going to have to follow, um, it was fully centered around having sons and if you didn't have sons your portion of the land would then revert back to like the rest of your tribe and this man didn't have any sons he has these five daughters and so the daughters go um before the judges of israel before moses and essentially god ends up taking up their case and saying they are right and the law is like modified to accommodate for daughters to have these rights of inheritance and while i would not go so far as to say like and therefore things were egalitarian because they weren't it's fine um i think this story of like women standing up women's empowerment but also just this idea that like authority can be questioned and a rule can be changed like not just having to Except, like, oh, this is what was said, even from the most high authority, even from, you know, God, but to say, why is this the case? And to call something into question and have that petition be, like, taken seriously and accepted. Um, I was I was researching it in a different context, even though it was a story that I already knew. Um, but lately, that has just become, like, 
such a point of pride and I'm just like yes these women um so right now I'm counting that as a a favorite story of the moment I like that I like that yeah um and then also I mean classics like you know I just I always enjoy like especially at the beginning because right now we're about to restart the cycle of reading the the Torah and I feel like so much of the storytelling parts at the beginning whether it's creation or Noah or Tower of Babel or you know the stories of the patriarchs and the matriarchs um these parts are really exciting in a familiar way and then I also really love when it gets into the more nitty-gritty of the later books and it's all about laws and sacrifices um trying to find what can be like the deeper meaning when something on the surface seems so obscure and so not necessarily relevant and I'm using air quotes um for life today to be able to figure out well what like what's the timeless meaning why is this still valuable for us to read so I always like the the challenge of finding the meaning in any of the stories I like that that was that was I think my favorite part about learning like bible in school is finding the deeper meaning in things um, yeah and there's always so much it's just it's amazing how much we can uncover from these stories absolutely um so samanti <laughs> um having a holiday devoted to this to this annual cycle um shows how important it is to the jewish people so how do you celebrate the parts of judaism that you are most that excuse me that are most meaningful for you I think that when it comes to, like, any part of Judaism that I really want to take on and, like, acknowledge how meaningful it is to me, mm-hmm. um, I think creating ritual based around it is what's critical. Because without, like, a, a real practice, it's really easy for me to be like, yes, I care about this. And then six months later, be like, I think I was supposed to care about something. Um, <laughs> so true. We're all busy, and despite the best of intentions, you know, for me, it's really about having some kind of regular touch point with the things that I love the most. So, like, our listeners know, huge nerd over here, you know, I love Jewish learning. I feel like times when I've said, oh, yeah, I'm going to really, like, commit to Jewish learning, it's like, okay, self, good job. But what does that actually mean? But like when I've taken on a specific practice, like right now I'm doing Dafyomi, the practice of reading um, uh, a daf or a page of Talmud every single day, um, that to me is something tangible that like I know every single day is part of my repertoire or something that I'm going to do. Similar to having like a, a Shabbat practice to say, what literally does that look like for me? I'm not Shomer Shabbat. That's not in my plans right now. But I know that every Friday I'm going to light candles and say the blessings and like gather with loved ones. I think having, yeah, just a commitment to the regularity of any of these practices is really critical um, for me. And then having ways to. Um, I don't know if accountability is the right word, but I think really sharing in so many of these experiences with others is what's super important for me because I'll find that when I decide that I'm going to do something like all by myself and I don't necessarily 
bring others into it, it um, is the easiest thing to fall by the wayside because I'm the only one who knows or the only one who's affected. Um, and that's part of why I think like Judaism has it right that so many of our rituals and practices and even prayers are meant to be communal experiences because we we need and we crave that accountability or someone to do things with. And if someone is counting on me to be part of an experience, I and I don't know if I probably need to like delve more into this. I'm like, if someone is counting on me, I will be there. If it's just something I wanted to do, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Um, and while I realize I should have probably as much accountability to myself as I do um, externally to others, I think that you know bringing community into any of the Jewish practices is always a beautiful value add. What about you? Any uh, any best practices that you're engaged with for celebrating the things you love about how you Jew? I mean, I think I've said this before, and I think I constantly like I go back to the same thing. I really like well, first the holidays. Holidays. That's a given, but I mean, I really, really like Shabbat dinners. Um, yeah, I think it's the whole like. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bad. And like sometimes I forget to light the candles on time. I just That's okay. I lose track of time, and then it's too late, and you can't, you can't light it up. You can't light them uh, when it's past ten minutes into Shabbat. So I, d- I don't light them every Shabbat. I'm sorry, um, but I love that. Like. I mean, even when we were in quarantine, Dan used to set up the Shabbat dinners for the Shabbat dinners, the Shabbat candles for me to light. Like I love, I love that ritual, even though I sometimes forget because um, I lose track of time. But the kiddush and you know bringing everyone together and saying the prayer and 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 then uh, you know doing the the the, the challah and motzi and just having everyone around the table together whether it's friends or family or both it's just nice i think that's um i think that's probably my favorite ritual like jewish ritual that that we have (laughs) i love it so because it's simchat torah coming up and we're talking about how we jew in different ways is either this specific holiday of simchat torah or torah in general a part of how you're jewing um, I mean, I think we're um, okay. <laughs> I need to divide this into two. So when I before I moved here, yes, it was it was a huge part of my doing um, before I moved to the states. Because again, it was a small suburb. You know, even like Absolutely. the city that I moved to after, um, all my friends would still go. You know, to their parents' house in like the suburb that we lived, and we would go to temple and do all the things, but. Um, but it's also like everyone is out in the street. It's just a little bit right. different than here where not everyone is Jewish. So it's kind of, I mean, it kind of changed the way I do, I guess, because uh-huh. I don't belong to a synagogue. So I have not attended a Simchat Torah celebration at any syn- synagogue since I moved here. If anybody's listening to this, take me to a Simchat Torah. <laughs> Oh my god, if we still lived in the same place and there wasn't like low-key Delta variant, you know, know. screwing everything up. I know, Um, I just, I put COVID aside for this one, Um, obviously take all the precautions (laughs) needed. Well, yes, that. Please don't get sick. 
Um, no, and please don't pass it along if you do. Exactly. Oh my God, I've heard stories. It's so scary. I said to someone yesterday that I was like, just the amount of moments that I've had where I've been like, oh, someone is getting COVID right now. Like, I don't know who it is. <laughs> God willing, it's not me. But like, whether it's, I, I took public transportation for the first time because I was going into the city, um, into Manhattan to like meet a few people. And I haven't taken public transportation, I realized. But isn't like, New York like a really good place to be at, at least for COVID right now? I think so. I feel like what's good changes yeah. literally every single day. Um, and like I took, the, this is such a like random aside, but like I took the Long Island Railroad in and there was personal space and everyone was wearing a mask and everything felt fine. But then like when I got into Manhattan, I was on a subway and it's so hot and people are like, you know, taking off their masks because it's overheated, but they're like standing right up on you. I was like, COVID is being transmitted on this subway right now. And I'm like huddled in the corner trying to avoid like, you know, direct contact with anyone, both in general and specific to COVID. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's like a very weird experience to, you know, then really have to like take the moment to think about, Oh, you know, what are the choices that I'm making and how do I need to be mindful of them? And on the one hand, figuring out, you know, how do I safely get from point A to point B, but also how do I live my life and how do I make sure that I'm doing my part to protect myself, protect my family, you know, protect others. Um, It's there's just so many layers. And I feel like every COVID decision that people have to make at this point feels like so monumental but also like such a drop in the bucket like even if I'm doing everything and I'm using again air quotes here right according to like you know my belief system and what the you know CDC latest guidelines are like we're all in this together it's very much a communal thing so there's only so much you can do if everyone's like not doing the same thing yeah I agree so, with you, but that's I, my COVID I, aside. I thought, yeah, and okay, good. It's good to know. I thought that New York was like taking all their precautions, and I mean, yeah, I, I, obviously, I wasn't. Are like I will say more than in <clears throat> like in Ohio, I never carried my vaccine card with me because no one asked, and like in New York, I'm like actively carrying it because you have to show it with your ID to get into a lot of establishments, and that I think is, you know, great. Um, it was just like figuring out like oh this subway is overheated because it's a manhattan subway did they ask for the card when you go to the subway not into the subway but like into museums or into certain restaurants they like they're asking for proof of vaccination which i think is great no that's amazing i I was just wondering about the the actual um subway because that would have been like a yeah well no one asked me but uh perhaps they're asking others i don't know i uh Maybe I just looked like, so I, I feel like I'm getting my New York look back that it's like earbuds in, head down, pissed off, don't talk to me. Um, so perhaps I perfected that so well that like nobody wanted to stop me. Um, or not, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to try to transition back um, from yes, you hopping from one train to another. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. 
um, part of how this holiday is celebrated is that we read the last verse of the Torah and then immediately start again with the first one. So, Samanti, why do you think um, we do it like this? And are there things that as soon as you finish, you start up again? So I think that part of what makes it beautiful that we like read the last verses of the annual cycle of reading the Torah and then immediately the first ones and there's no stop in between is meant to show that this is a never-ending cycle. There is no, like, yes, technically there's, again, an end part of the scroll, but this is timeless. And just like it ends uh, next week, it also starts again we're never at this place of being done there's always a next verse always a next chapter always something new to to learn and experience and we need to just keep it going i think it's part of like just yeah the the ongoing um timelessness that keeps um keeps the reading going immediately into the next so you could never be in a position to say I'm finished. I learned everything I need to, or I did everything I had to. I'm like, check plus, I'm done with Torah, so to speak, that there's always, you know, what to learn. Um, And I think that's part of what makes it beautiful that, you know, no matter how learned someone is, no matter how many times they've heard the cycle or even done the readings themselves, there's always something new to be found within. um, And that's what we're demonstrating. And I feel like that's, it's, it's a practice that I really believe in in a lot of contexts. I wouldn't necessarily say that, like, when I finish reading a book in general, I start reading that book again, but I certainly always start the next one, um, you know, or make sure that there's something else that I'm getting ready for. In a non-COVID world, I feel like countdowns um, were such a big thing for me, and now, like, we've, I think we've talked about this on the podcast until really until COVID I don't think I had ever left um a visit to Israel without knowing my next um so knowing this is the next time that I'm going to be here or if not this is the next time I'm going to be here this is the next time my sister or my in-laws or someone are going to be visiting us I always knew like this is the next thing we never finished one visit without having a plan for the next time we were going to gather and that's been something that you know really heartbreakingly has had to change because the world keeps changing and you know what quarantine rules there are keep changing but i think that anything that we we never want to um even allow ourselves to think this might be the end or this might be the last can follow this simchat torah style ritual of making sure right as we get to the end we start again and make sure that there's a next and a thing to look forward to in the exact same way and i hope that the world lets those kinds of things come back uh, sooner rather than later because it's definitely something that i'm feeling the lack of i um seriously have nothing to add to that like you put it in such perfect words <laughs> oh my gosh, well, this has been lovely. This is, listeners, our first recording from afar, so definitely let us know your thoughts. Um, if you want, you know, if you're needing visuals and you want to see a picture of my childhood bedroom, you can let us know, and that way you can know exactly how to uh, to visualize us. You'll have to excuse, excuse the clutter, but, like, beyond that, absolutely. And um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of How Do You Jew as a reminder you can rate review subscribe give us five stars take a picture tag us in your 
Insta stories, tell your friends, make friends to tell, all of the above. You can follow us on Instagram at HowDoYouJewPod or email us all of your thoughts and feelings at HowDoYouJewPod at gmail.com. Yeah, and until next time, happy Jewing! Happy Jewing!